Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of Ace Field Retro. We're here talking about all of the chaos that's been going on in the MLB, all the free agent signings that, frankly, have happened way quicker than uh, usual in the MLB offseason. And we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite Super Nintendo games, uh, Baseball Simulator 1000. So let's get right into it. So we may have some guests joining us here to talk a little bit about the 2022 free agent class that let's be honest, they're all signing quickly because of what's going on. And just a few short hours, really the MLB could be seeing a work stoppage and we could be having, you know, a lockout on our hands. So some of the players are signing. So they know where they're going post lockout. And some players have turned to pretty much all the players. The big names are falling off the board while the Yankees, let's be honest, they're sitting silently not doing anything they were expected to be big movers and shakers during this offseason and the names are just flying off the board so let's start with the biggest one the new york mets signed max scherzer let's get the exact numbers right the biggest fish i mean steve cohen would not be denied so max had the new york mets on his list of teams that he did not want to play for uh, at the trade deadline so they were on the no trade list for Max Scherzer, but three years, $130 million will change your mind. And City Field will have a new ace or maybe an ace one to the other Jacob deGrom. And now Scherzer, uh, it will be taking the mound in Queens if we do indeed have a baseball season. So that was the biggest thing. And my opinion on that is that I love it because the Mets are all in and they're going for it in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, Steve Cohen was denied and spurned by Steven Matz, and it seemed to spur on more of a vindictive side of him, that he was upset that he possibly be, possibly could be let down by Steven Matz and someone would deny him. So he went out there and said, you know what? I'm going out there. I'm going to get Eduardo Escobar. I'm going to get Marcana. I'm going to get Starling Marte. And oh yeah, I'm going to get Max Scherzer. Will it be enough for the Mets to win the NL East? We have to see. People have to stay healthy. Uh, but on paper, they're doing everything they can to compete. And that's all you can ask for from uh, the National League New York baseball team in the New York Mets. So it should be very interesting to see what goes on with the Mets and all the chaos that went on with them last year in a bad way. You know, Right now, they don't even have a manager. They just got a new general manager. You know, Max Scherzer joins a rotation uh, spearheaded by Jacob deGrom. And when healthy, Jacob deGrom, as we know, is the best pitcher in baseball. And unfairly, Jacob has probably gotten, I guess, labeled as injury prone when it's not justified. And I say that because for the most part, Jacob deGrom has stayed healthy throughout his career. Just the last two years, he's had some hiccups. And Jacob battled through the injuries that he had last year. There, there's no mistaking that there's no quit in the guy. He wants to be on the field. And I think if the Mets were competitive at the end of the year, Jacob could have pitched. I think they were being safe with their franchise player and smartly so. So Max Scherzer anchors that rotation. You pretty much sub out Noah Syndergaard for – uh, Max Scherzer, and with that, that's an upgrade in my book. Noah goes to Anaheim as well, or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. 
Um, some of the other free agents that we're looking at as well. Um, Corey Seager, I guess we could talk about him. Corey Seager went to the Texas Rangers who, you know, they're swinging a lot, um, a lot of their money around as well. So they have a new ballpark down in Arlington and they want to fill that ballpark and have people in attendance to watch their games. And they're giving people a reason to go. So Corey Seager, $325 million over the course of 10 years. That's 32.5 a year. Um, people have been saying it's way too much money for a player that is often injured. Corey Seager has been labeled, unlike Jacob DeCrom, unfairly. He's been labeled fairly for being hurt because he finds his way in the IL in some capacity every year. Some hard luck injuries. Um, I'm pretty sure he like he had a broken leg or a broken arm a couple of years ago. Um, but he always finds a way. Some, he's one of those players that finds a way to be hurt. And if he's getting that amount of money, what's Carlos Correa going to be asking for? He, Scott Boris and Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa have to be licking their lips, waiting for their offer to come down the pike because it has to be more than what Corey Seager's getting, right? Carlos Correa is historically a healthy player. He is a big game player. He has a World Series ring, whether people want to take it away from him or not. He's a player that uh, can't be denied. And if Seager got 10 years, $325 million, what is Carlos Correa going to get? And will the Yankees go and give Carlos Correa that amount of money? We also have, speaking of the Texas Rangers, they signed Marcus Semyon. Marcus Semyon for uh, seven years, $175 million. So the 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 meat of that lineup, uh, Marcus Semyon carried the Blue Jays lineup along with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette. Uh, they're missing a big piece now. Marcus Semyon uh, was a great free agent signing by the Blue Jays. They kind of got him at um, a, a budget price. And he got paid his just due this year. And Texas, again, is going for it. So Marcus Semyon and also Corey Seager, are they going to be enough for the Texas Rangers to compete in the AL West and possibly overtake the Houston Astros and not only the city of Texas, but over oh, the state of Texas, excuse me. Um, and win the AL West because they're definitely going for it because they also went for uh, John Gray as well, who, you know, it's not a big sexy name, but you know, John Gray is a pitcher that has proven that he can be a stable starter um, for a big league team. He was pitching in Colorado and had decent numbers so John Gray is someone that can be relied on, and he also can be uh, an ending eater for them. Will they be able to get – I think the big key for Texas is will they be able to get a repeat performance from Adoles Garcia? Uh, will he go out there and have – you know? I mean, he got a lot of rookie of the year votes. He's someone that has been uh, – he was a revelation. And he is someone that they are going to be relying on as well. So you have to you have to think that the Texas Rangers are going out there and they're probably not done. Um, I'm sure they're going to want some bullpen help. They may want some more help in the starting rotation. And just a quick look at some of the players that are left to be determined and to be signed. Um, I mean, you got a guy like Zach Granke. He has some, you know, some miles on those arms, but maybe they take a stab at him. Clayton Kershaw, again, some miles on that arm, uh, but has pitched in a lot of big games. And if Texas Texas expects to compete 
later in the year and deep into October, you may need a guy who has experience there. And Clayton Kershaw and Zach Greinke both tend to have that. Um, will they go after a guy like Marcus Stroman? You know, Marcus has been sort of the debate here in New York about uh, he's been outspoken about the Mets not giving him the money and that they will regret it. He already had a lot of uh, issues with the New York media because Cashman had come out and said that during the trade deadline last year, if you remember, or two years ago, that Marcus Stroman was not a difference maker and that they wouldn't be pursuing him in trades. Marcus Stroman took that to heart, and every chance he got, he would take pot shots at the Yankees. So whether you like that or not, that's what he was doing. That's his strategy. Uh, he became a very polar polarizing figure in the New York media. So some Met fans loved it. Some Met fans didn't like it. Yankee fans certainly didn't like that he was talking about them. And now Marcus Stroman is now taking his arrows and aiming them at the New York Mets organization who decided they don't want to deal with Stroman. And there have been reports out of Toronto, you know, obviously way after the fact that maybe Marcus Stroman wasn't the best teammate. Maybe he was someone that the clubhouse uh, didn't really want around. And that could have been the same for the New York Mets. And again, not in the clubhouse, not speculating. Um, I'm, ju I'm just saying that there has to be some reason that the Mets didn't want him back because he certainly pitched well enough to be there. Um, some other names that we possibly can see on the move. I'm looking at some of the free agents here. As far as bullpen goes, um, a guy like Trevor Rosenthal, um, Brad Hand is at the, you know, the end of his career. Um, but a Rosenthal might be nice. And Andrew Miller, who, you know, he's 36 years old. Uh, maybe his best years are behind him, but would be a decent signing. Uh, Danny Duffy, who had a revelation of a year with Kansas City. Um, maybe they go after him as well. But I like what Texas is doing. And what I mostly like is the example they're setting for other markets that are, you know, used to losing. I mean, Texas was at, was in the World Series two years in a row. Um, it's about a decade ago already, believe it or not. But they're a franchise that, you know, they – they're not used to winning, but I'm sure their fan base is rejuvenated and energized by the, these news of these signings because Semyon Gray and Seeger, I'm sure as they were carving their turkey, uh, Ranger fans were not expected to be excited about their baseball team. They're expected to be focusing on uh, their football team. And here we are, uh, not even in December, and we have the Texas Rangers are on the back pages of those Texas sports side of the newspaper. So very exciting times. And the big thing I, I have to agree with baseball is that these small market teams are going for, I'm not saying the Texas Rangers, Texas Rangers are a small market team, but they certainly aren't the big bad Yankees. And they're certainly not the Red Sox. They're a team that um, maybe people don't expect to spend uh, with the bigger fish in the sea. And they're going out there and they're definitely uh, throwing that money around. The other signings I want to talk about um, specifically um, happened late tonight. And I think I got the notification around like 2 a.m. Um, and that was Javi Baez to the Detroit Tigers. And six years, 
$140 million. And, you know, Baez was a player that he was very popular in Chicago, um, had a very flashy style of defense, kind of an all or nothing player. He's a player that we recognize is sort of the 2021-2022 type of baseball player where strikeouts don't really matter much because they happen a lot. He doesn't really make contact with the ball unless it's going far. And Javi Baez got paid a lot of money. So it's reinforcing the idea that this style of baseball is here to stay, whether you like it or not. And a lot of people do not like it. They feel as if uh, making contact, small ball speed are all dimensions of baseball that should still exist. And there's, there's definitely a, a space for that because we saw Starling Marte get paid by the Mets who led the league in stolen bases. But the Tigers reinforced to Javi Baez and to all of baseball that, you know, strikeouts truly don't matter. Home runs matter, power matters, and getting on base um, doesn't matter as much as hitting a home run. So the one thing I have to say about similar to what I said about the Rangers, the Tigers are a team that, again, they've been in a rebuild for a bit. They have a lot of high-end prospects, whether it be Torkelson or Casey Mize. These guys are – Torkelson not in the big leagues, but Casey Mize had you know his time in the big leagues last year. They're ready to compete. They're, no, they're not waiting around anymore. They, they seem to feel like the AL Central is an, an achievable goal that they overachieved last year. If you watch a little bit of the, tech, the Detroit Tigers, they had no business being – um, as competitive as they were last year. And I think that sort of sparked the imagination of the front office and the fan base. And they said, you know what? Let's go out there and spend some money. Let's go out there and let's put Javi Baez at shortstop for the next six years. Let's actually reward our fans for showing up and being loyal because the Detroit Tiger fan base is one of the most loyal fan bases in all of sports, as is all Detroit sports, you know, they're loyal to the Lions, the Pistons, the Red Wings and the Tigers. They love their teams. And Javi Baez will be a fan favorite in Detroit for a long time to come. And he's certainly used to uh, the Midwest weather. That's for sure. He was used to playing at Wrigley Field and the early spring, like March, early April will be very similar to um his time in Chicago as well. So it's Detroit and Chicago, very similar weather patterns. Um, I love to see new teams in the mix. You know, we're so used to seeing teams like the Red Sox, the Dodgers, uh, lately the Padres, all popping in there and uh, being the guys who grab these, you know, these high-priced, big-name free agents. It was really nice to see over the weekend and throughout the week just – new names out there, the Tigers, the Rangers, the Mets, and also the Seattle Mariners. So the Seattle Mariners made some headlines because, I mean, we watched last year, they put on a show, they didn't make the playoffs, but they, they captured the imagination of that whole city and all of baseball. People were hoping that they would make the, the playoffs for the first time in many years. Um, off the top of my head, I know it's the longest playoff drought in baseball currently. Um, 
and they weren't waiting around. I think they really liked what they saw from Kalenic. Uh, they definitely got some decent pitching from their young guys. And they went out there and probably got the best pitcher on the market, not named Max Scherzer. And that's Robbie Ray. So five years, $115 million. And give me one sec, just putting that banner up there, because I think I like this feature a lot. And fresh off his Cy Young Award win, Robbie Ray will now take the mound in Seattle. And hopefully he will not follow the same pattern as like a Robinson Cano, where you feel like that's where their career goes to die. I'm hoping that um, the addition of Robbie Ray and the development of the young players and some of the exciting things that were happening already in Seattle prior to, you know, this addition to their team uh, will bring some more excitement towards Seattle and the Mariners franchise because um, that city is electric. And they showed that even without the playoffs that, you know, those games were really, really fun. The atmosphere was um, there's no other word, but electric and contagious um, seeing the Mariner fans happy and, showing up to games and they were making a run towards the playoffs and they were making a run. Um, and who knows if they would have caught fire and got to that wild card game, what could have happened? So I'm really hoping that uh, Robbie Ray is the difference maker. And I hope he continues sort of the upward swing that he had while in Toronto. I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't go back to uh, where he was prior to that, because um, the changes that we saw from him last year, mixing his pitches and, um, really relying on more of um, the change up and also throwing the curveball. I think Robbie Ray is uh, definitely a force to be reckoned with and Seattle got a really, really good pitcher. In just a second, we'll come back to you taking a quick break and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the rest of the free agents and potentially uh, landing destinations for the ones that are, were remaining. All right, we're back, and I appreciate you guys being patient with me. Let's just finish the conversation about MLB and the frenzy that's going on with everything happening so far in the offseason. Where does Carlos Correa go? So there have been obvious choices about people thinking he would just go to, to the Yankees. There's been people talking about maybe he'll go replace Seager at Dodger Stadium, which would be really weird to see. I saw a thing on Instagram that was a picture of Carlos Correa in a Dodgers uniform and it said this would break the internet. I'm not so sure about that. I'm not sure the reach of the Dodgers Astros rivalry goes um, past just, you know, hardcore baseball fans. Um, but it would be definitely um, one of those things uh, that I would find interesting. And I don't foresee that happening. Um my prediction will be 
and I'm going to officially put it here. I say that's Carlos Correa. It will be signed by the Yankees, and not because not because they really want him. I think it's because they feel pressured that they're watching all these guys go off the market, and they have to make a big splash. And not only fact fact that are they seeing other teams make moves, it's also in their own market. You know, George Steinbrenner wouldn't have stood for the fact that the that the Mets have the back page. It seems like this version of the Steinbrenner ownership, they're okay with not winning the back page in an offseason. They'd rather win it on the field. That hasn't been going so well either for the Yankees. Um, I think Carlos Correa makes too much sense for the for the Yanks. I think um, they need a shortstop. The only other guy that really is available would be a Trevor Story who hampered by injury and sort of just overshadowed by the fact that he stayed in Colorado last year. Um, those are the two guys that are the choices because you can't roll into the season, especially after how the season ended last year, with no shortstop. Glaber's not the answer. You need a viable shortstop that has a lot of pop, and Carlos Correa is your guy. But unfortunately for Cashman and the Yanks, Corey Seager set that market. Ten years, $325 million for, for Corey Seager. Like we talked about, what does that mean Carlos Correa will get? Is it 12 years, $400 million? Could the Yankees be okay with doing that, especially with what they're paying Stanton and knowing that they will have to pay Judge and knowing that they will have to resign some of the other core? Like, do they pay Glaber? Do they let Sanchez go? They're already paying Cole a lot of money. Will they be okay with going over the luxury tax? All of these questions have to be answered. But I think because of the fact that all these, all these cards are falling off the table, that Cashman has to make a decision soon, and he doesn't want to be left holding the bag with nobody there. And I made a joke uh, in our baseball chat, um, our fantasy baseball chat, and I will talk a little bit about that league, especially as it comes closer and fantasy baseball. Um, I am the commissioner in the league and um, I absolutely love it. But I made a joke that right now, Brian Cashman's like asleep on a hammock in Cabo somewhere. And he's going to wake up and see like Stephen Vogt is the only guy left. And what's he going to do when all the big names are gone? You have no replacements for, uh, what you thought you would do. You thought you could wait past Christmas or around Christmas to make a signing. Um, but who would have thought that Seeger, Semien, Baez, Scherzer, Robbie Ray, Kevin Gosman, Stalling Marte, Eduardo Rodriguez, John Gray, Justin Verlander, Stephen Matz, they'd all be gone immediately around Thanksgiving. This is unprecedented. So I think Brian Cashman really has to make a decision here. And it's going to be one or the other. And I think Crea will be signed before this um, shutdown where the CBA and um, the players association and the owners will have to sit down and make, you know, come up with some accord to make sure that this season's played, because that's a completely different story. If they, they do not play major league baseball this season, they're setting the game back a decade because of the progress made with the, you know, you're attracting young fans, the quickest way to turn people off is to not play. And there's too much money obviously being made, being tossed around to allow them not to play. And I think maybe owners will feel a little bit more pressure that they gave all this money out, that they're paying all this money towards these players. 
that they'll find a way to get the deal done, but it's not going to be easy. Now we saw the, the proposal that Nightingale had put up that the players um, wanted to have a 14 team playoff system where you pick your own opponent, all this craziness. Um, and the owners couldn't be further apart. They sat down today, they met for less than 15 minutes and they said not to make a big deal about it, but um, judging by their history, they don't get along and they, they don't really see eye to eye. What they should do though, is realize that together they make a lot of money together. So they should find a way to put their differences aside and allow baseball to continue to be one of the highest grossing sports in America. And whether people like the, they like the product on the field or not, or they don't like where the game's going, it's strikeout or home run or whatever. People are still watching the games, they're going to games, and the TV deals are getting record number of deals. And we're looking at the highest played player, Max Scherzer, got the most money a player's ever getting annually. So that's all obviously market price and um, how things change over time. But still, these players are getting paid a lot of money. The owners are making a lot of money. TV rights are still giving them a lot of money to spend. They should be spending it. And I think the Yankees will do that. Some that where Correa goes, I think he goes to the Yankees. If he doesn't, I think he either winds up back in Houston or he reunites with uh, A.J. Hinch in in um, Detroit. And there'd be some complication because you signed Javi Baez to that big deal, but maybe they figure out a way to get him at third base. And you figure out where to Spencer Torkelson go. Maybe you deal him for a pitcher somewhere. If, if the, uh, the Tigers are going for it this year, maybe Torkelson doesn't fit into their plans. So that'd be interesting to see, but um, I think number one choice for me would be the Yanks Astros. And then last choice would be the Tigers. I do not think he goes to the Dodgers, but uh, Hey, never say never. Um, the other remaining free agents we have uh, biggest names. I'm looking at the, the list right now. Um, like we talked about before. Um, let's see. We had Granky, Kershaw, Chris Bryant, and then Freddie Freeman. So Freddie Freeman, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's staying in Atlanta. But what happens if he doesn't? Maybe Freddie Freeman's the 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 splash the Yankees make, where they give him the money, and he plays first base for the Yanks. I kind of like that deal better than if Correa goes there. But I think we're all just expecting Freeman to stay with Atlanta because you know he's been there, drafted by them, scouted by them, won the World Series last year. They have to pay him, right? Freeman has to stay in Atlanta, right? So I don't know. And then the other guys we have, Nick Castellanos didn't accept his qualifying offer from Cincinnati. He's a nice player as well. Um, we talked about Marcus Stroman. Um, the Mets were in, in in the ballpark for Kikuchi. Again, not big name, but he's a quality starter. Trevor Story, Nelson Cruz, Michael Conforto, uh, Kyle Schwarber, Tommy Pham, James Paxton, Jorge Soler, who had a great playoff last year. Um, all those names and more. But I think we're going to see the biggest names go off the board before we um, – sort of fold up the tent and close up shop before the December 1st deadline. So in a second, I'll come back to you. We're going to talk a little bit about my favorite Super Nintendo baseball game. Um, in just one second, it's called Baseball Simulator 1000.
All right, guys, I'm back. So one of my favorite games growing up on Super Nintendo was the Baseball Simulator 1000. So if you played this, you know what I'm talking about. It was not uh, your traditional Major League Baseball teams. The Yankees weren't in it. The Mets weren't in it. Dodgers weren't in it. It was um, originally released in Japan in 1989, and 1990 was released in North America. Um, in the game, there's four leagues available, and the first two contain only uh, normal teams, but the third contains ultra teams. And the fourth allows a player to create their own league from any mixture of normal and ultra teams. So uh, you could play ultra mode, which each player has special powers. There's players that have a bomb so that the outfielder can't catch it. There's a missile uh, that if they try to catch a line drive, it goes straight into them and sends them all the way to the wall. Um, you could choose either control a normal baseball team or an ultra team. Um, there's super hitting and super pitching. So, um, some of the pitching things is a flamethrower thrower. Um, there's like ones that throw like multiple balls at one time. Um, so there's an exhibition mode, a regular season mode and a team edit mode. Um, and you could play seasons of uh, five games, 30 games, 60 games, 120 or 165 games. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And I just remember having a great time with it. If you guys go on YouTube, you can watch play-alongs. Um, there was a streamer playing it on Twitch, um, and I, it was great to sit, sit back and watch. But they do walkthroughs of the game, and I just, I, you know, I honestly, I, I found it on one of those uh, websites where you could play old Super Nintendo games, and I was like, I was blown away with how much it held up. And there are a lot of reviews on there, and it does sort of capture the imagination of a lot of. Uh, other guys my age because it came out around you know 1990 you know it, it was around when I was a kid so on Google 95% of people liked the game it got an 8.7 out of 10 from Game Frederic. Um the videos uh, they're a lot of fun to watch and I'd be curious to know what baseball games you guys compare it to are you guys more of like a Ken Griffey baseball uh, fan or are you into Super Baseball Simulator um Watch the videos. I promise you guys that you will enjoy them. Um, so that's my recommendation for today. I'm going to put the banner up here. So baseball simulator 1000 for NES. So in the comments, tell me if you like it better than uh, Ken Griffey, if you've never played it, go back and watch the video. If you somehow have access to a Super Nintendo or an emulator um, or a Raspberry Pi or however you play your Super Nintendo games, get back to me. I want you to play it. Check it out. I want to take this time to thank all of Nick the Comic Book Nerd's um, subscribers. I want to thank Nick the Comic Nerd himself for doing the giveaway. And I also want to recognize um, the fact that you guys are coming here and watching these videos. It was a pleasure having Nick on here and doing a watch along this Sunday. We'll, we will be back doing a watch along. We're going to be talking. Um, I think we decided we're going to do an old school baseball game. I think we're going to be doing pop possibly a home run derby from the late nineties, early two thousands. If you have any suggestions and I know that there was someone who commented on the, on the video last week about us doing possibly a Ric Flair sting match. So I'm happy to do that as well. I know that Nick has never seen those matches and it'd be awesome to see Nick sort of experience that through the lens of watching with me. Um, I did not watch those matches as, as a kid. I watched them later in my wrestling fandom. 
So it would be cool to go back and watch it. Um, those are available on Peacock for sure. Um, but again, I'm going to be doing a giveaway as well. So I'm going to figure out something to give away. Um, I have a plethora of wrestling figures. I have uh, some Funko Pops. I'm going to do a giveaway video probably either tomorrow or the day after. Um, and in turn, I want you guys to uh, pay it forward towards Nick, the comic nerd, and the rest of the people uh, in the YouTube community as far as doing the same things we do, like retro things. Um, and just subscribe and like and let's pass it along and, and be good to each other. So I appreciate you guys watching. I, again, thank you so much. And let's grow this together. I've been Stephen Acefield. This is the Acefield Retro Show. And I'm out.